0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Sim Racing Den. I was thrilled to have the opportunity to interview Zach Hodgson, the owner and founder of Turn Racing, a sim racing hardware and accessory company that originated as a passion project in Zach's garage. In our conversation, I asked Zach about how he got into sim racing and grew his hobby into a full fledged business, what inspires him, and his process when designing new products. I also got his thoughts on the current state of the sim racing industry and what's next for Turn Racing. So I hope you enjoy this great conversation with Zach. Zach, welcome to the Sim Racing Den. Thank you for being here, taking time on your Saturday. I really appreciate it. I know how busy you are running the business. Um, so Zach and I have talked a few times before, and I've always enjoyed our conversations, getting his perspective on the industry, learning more about turn racing products, you know, his plans for the future. But this time I asked Zach, you know, can I hit the record button, kind of let my viewers in into the conversation, and he was kind enough to oblige. So thank you again, Zach. So I want to kind of start at the beginning, you know, what led you or what's your earliest memory of motorsports or just cars in general? I'm really curious how people kind of got into this passion.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, it started pretty early for me. So, I mean, as far as like if you're a racing driver, they'll usually say that they were like three years old and they were karting and stuff and it wasn't quite that crazy. But um, I started BMX racing, actually. Um, I think it was probably third or fourth grade. and did that uh i think maybe middle schoolish. you know 13 i had stopped but uh, it was uh it was a lot of fun you know working on bikes and stuff and then my uh, family was like a pretty big uh, classic car family so uh, a lot of pontiacs firebirds uh gtos transams that type of thing and so um yeah was always loved cars in that uh, way too and then uh just uh kind of as a gamer too so um you know doing the all the grand Tri- the entire grand trismo franchise yeah. you know um and uh yeah and so i i guess it, it, it that's where it's fun now because it kind of just blends it all together so
0: it's very similar to my story i just grew up as a car kid you know my my dad um always had different cars all the time he was a salesperson so he'd always bring home new cars and i just grew up with hot wheels too right and then and then gaming right playing uh i might be dating myself but playing like the original test drive and need for speed games on on the computer with the keyboard Mm -hmm. (laughs) so then just yeah and then so sim racing for us car guys is like and and people that like computers and gaming it's just the perfect mix right Mm -hmm. so that's really cool that's really cool so do you watch real life motorsports right now? Like, what are you into? Like, I, I personally, when watching F one, actually, the the Monaco Quali was just on, so I just finished watching that. Mm. Do you do you follow any motorsports right now?
1: Yeah, I, I watch. I'm the same. I watch F one every week, so I watch um, for sure every race, and like if I met, I'll even like watch a lot of practice sessions, um, in, in like for sure every Quali and stuff. So that's definitely what I would say. Like, I, I watch the most and you know maybe the actually i think indy is this weekend and it's actually like you know uh probably like 10 hours away from me or something which is it's like the closest like major race for sure you know since it's in the midwest Mm -hmm. and uh you know i I might watch the highlights but f1 is really what i watch
0: yeah me too me too i mean it's it's been a lot of changes over the years with f1 but i still think it's exciting uh Mm -hmm. for sure um You know, you can predict a little bit who's going to win the races these days, but there's a lot going on in the middle of the pack, right? So it it does keep it exciting.
1: Yeah. And and also like, I mean, there was pretty much the entirety of like the 2010s, like that was a tough decade actually for F1, just for the racing and, and, um, and whatnot. And so it's actually come around a lot, you know, with the new regulations, it's, it's just made the racing much, uh, much better, much more kind of unpredictable too you know so they're they are it's it's like it's a show right like it's not just like pure you know endurance um you know time trials like it's that they're, they're trying to put on a show but um in yeah in, in an entertaining way that combines all of what we love and and also like the storylines too it's like that's why I like drive to survive like blew up cuz mm-hmm. they're able to put the stories behind it and and they're incredible so
0: yeah, no, I actually really enjoyed the show and I think it was cool because I had a lot of friends and family who didn't know anything about F1 and then they just started watching the show and they're like, hey, have you seen this drive to drive?" I'm like, yeah, I know all about it. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: So that's yeah. really cool.
1: Yeah, they did a really good job.
0: Yeah, I think so too. So we kind of figured out, okay, how you got into cars, but what was your first introduction to sim racing? Was it like, did somebody, you knew somebody that was doing it or just kind of discovered it on your own what kind of brought you into sim racing
1: yeah um the first game i can remember would be grand trismo 2 i think okay yeah great game <clears throat> yeah my it was actually i think probably i think it was like my sister's boyfriend at the time had like a ps2 and or whatever it might have been must have been ps1 and grand trismo 2 whatever it was yeah yeah so he had that and i was and i you know played it for a while i was like okay yeah, this is fun <laughs>
0: you know so i remember that yeah i didn't even have one at the time i remember going to a friend's house and being jealous and then i convinced my parents to get me a ps2 <laughs> yeah so i could play gran turismo mm-hmm. did you have a wheel at that point or that was kind of just the introduction to racing games
1: yeah just on the controller yeah, yeah. Yeah, it must have been, Yeah, it'd be PS One Gran Turismo Two because then I think the big release was Gran Turismo Three with the yes. PS Two, and I did that one. That was like it was one of those where it's like, Mom, the only thing I want for Christmas is like <laughs> this bundle because it was like it was also like the not for sale. Uh, it was like exclusive bundle of Gran Turismo Three with yeah. the PS Two, and I was like, I, I it's all I ever wanted, you know. So me too.
0: Yeah, um, it's you're taking me back. Yeah, the good old days. <laughs> yeah i still get excited about stuff but yeah nothing beats those sort of first experiences yeah so that kind of takes us in like so let's talk about turn racing tell us the story of turn racing how did this start um how did you grow this in you know what what i know has been a passion and hobby for you but you've you've grown this into a full-fledged business now so can you give us uh how that kind of came together
1: yeah yeah for sure it's been quite a journey and and, you know i'm just getting started for sure so um you know from growing up into like a lot of gaming uh and um being interested in cars and stuff and then in high school uh was interested in like robotics and so i was like part of this uh first robotics team and so got got um, really good exposure to like, just working, like just with your hands on fabricating like parts to like build this thing. And uh, which that was really fun. <clears throat> and so I thought I wanted to go to school for like a uh, electrical engineering. And then like first year I like, I was a really bad student. And so like just first year, I knew there's no way that I would, I would make it through. So I dropped out and I wanted to, Cause like really my interest was like just getting right into like starting businesses, to be honest, um, you know, cause it's something that, um, I picked up from, I think it was Elon that had said that, that it really, like I took to heart was like, when you're, when you're young, that's when you should be taking the, the most risk because uh you know you've got more time to make it back, obviously, but also like you got nothing to lose too, and Very so true. you know i you know when you're eighteen nineteen um you kinda really have nothing to lose, and so I would uh do various things like i was i wanted to get into real estate, so I was like bird dogging driving around, you know and uh, then I wanted to uh get into um trading, and so i was uh like i spent i mean probably two three years almost like just giving it everything i had uh in order to, to get that full time and and that ended up not working out and and so there's probably probably four maybe five different sort of ventures i guess that i kind of went through for a period of like a good from like 18 to i guess yeah 24 ish um that you know like was awesome experience but um yeah, like they they failed and that's an okay thing cuz I learned an insane amount. Yeah.
0: Don't we learn the most from our failures? I feel like yeah. I have for yeah. sure.
1: And and so um and then I had uh started in 2015 I was I kind of realized that like this the the um like options trading thing wasn't going to work out cuz you really have to start with money. Uh like a like a, it's a big component know, of it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I mean like twenty-five thousand, like like really like that's that's like the bare minimum in order to even have an account that you can try to grow into something to be able to do full time. Um and so uh yeah, I had uh started getting back into uh sim racing a bit. I just had I, I got a used G twenty seven and uh got into i racing and i was actually just doing a g27 on a laptop and i was having fun with it you know because with i racing too like you, you kind of have a progression um and there's kind of like a, a bit of a path like you can't just go straight into like these uh kind of like the higher higher uh you know licensed uh races and whatnot so um then I Wanted to kind of become uh, more and more competitive too because I had seen you know online. Um, it's really because I'm like a YouTube kid, like I've grown up on YouTube. Uh, and so yeah, watching like Barry Roland, uh, you know, mm-hmm. on Sim Racing Garage, it, you know, because I've always been like a computer hardware person too. And so looking at hardware is like, yeah, this is because awesome. it's like car parts. I mean, it's all it's what it is, right? So
0: yeah, it's just like,
1: sure. yeah, um, it's no different than yeah, I'm like my dad looking at parts for his truck or something and so uh wanted to just kind of keep going down that um track i uh i think at the time that was like the in i racing that was kind of the gregor hutu uh era where uh like he was the big name they had this you know world championship series where uh there's like the in this like pro license and stuff and and so like i thought that man that would be really cool I, that'd be really fun to do and so i kind of went down uh the path of cr- trying to be like a competitive um racer and, and, and like you know just first year uh there's a lot of stuff that you need to really learn like you need to learn you know, vehicle dynamics racecraft you know like really fundamental things um and so uh yeah i was just eating that stuff up i loved it because it kind of combined everything i i really enjoyed which was hardware you know competition um you know racing in general because from bmx uh when i was younger but then also like in high school i was uh, did a lot of cross country and and track which is just racing you know on foot <laughs> <laughs> and uh and so yeah it, it was a lot of fun and uh, i had actually hit like after about a year, kind of twenty fifteen to twenty sixteen, I'd I'd hit a plateau driving wise and like I, I couldn't pass like twenty five hundred I rating or something. And I was like, okay, well then I need better hardware, right? So I uh started looking around and and I really couldn't afford uh you know like the high end stuff so I started to uh DIYs uh a few things and and then um I had seen that there were a few uh like small time, uh, like wheel builders, Um, Sam Maxwell. He was a huge influence on me. He he has has a really good reputation uh, in the community. And so um, I just thought it was so cool that, you know, like one guy in a shop could be building these custom wheels. Um, Another one was uh, Pololo uh, Instruments. I think he's in Spain and uh, yeah, awesome same thing you know it's it just incredible that they could design this stuff and then and then build it and uh even with like the tools in 2015 like there wasn't much <laughs> compared to what we have now yeah yeah so um that's kind of how I had transitioned from getting into sim racing and then getting into the hardware side and and I'd I kind of had quickly realized that I actually I enjoy I enjoy the business and hardware side more than I do the actual racing.
0: Okay. Yeah. I was going to ask you, has it, I guess that's kind of taken over a lot of your time too, I would imagine. Right. Mm. As well. Um, yeah. I racing is, I mean, I'm, I'm still very early in my iRacing career, but what I, lo- I, I would say what iRacing would probably be your favorite sim right now still. Yeah. Yeah. It's I, I, for myself too, I find it the most. It is challenging, but it's also equally rewarding, right, and the competition is is what I like about it for sure, yeah, so
1: and, and that could be a little drama, but like that's that keeps it spicy and I think just overall um they're doing it the best right now, you know even physics feel whatever i think just on you know on on par they're they're kind of just doing it the best, so
0: for sure. So your first product was a wheel? Would say that that's what started turn racing.
1: Yeah, I I built um an R8 wheel cuz that was my like favorite car to drive the um GT3 car and that was like all I've ever driven in in the sim is is GT3 or or just GT in general. <clears throat> and uh yeah, I built an R8 wheel and it was completely out of wood. <laughs> and no so way. like I I spent like a whole weekend where I um, just, I, I took like a blank sheet of, uh, you know, um, sheet metal traced out, you know, the shape of the plate and then kind of made a little wood jig and, and bent it kind of the shape that the wheel was. And then I took, uh, I think it was just like, uh, you know, MDF particle board or something cut that, you know, sandwiched it on the plate and then like literally just hand sanded the grips. Wow.
0: I hope you still have this wheel somewhere. I'd love to see this wheel one day.
1: (laughs) I, well, I had so many that I did eventually. Different prototypes, right? Yeah. And that one, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I do That would be cool to see.
0: I have pictures of it though. I know that. It's the, the first turn racing wheel, right? (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it was like, I mean, it was like horrific, like looking back obviously, but one, there's like some, I did post like just a picture in like the DIY uh, forum uh and like someone was like I'd buy that and I was like whoa okay you know mm-hmm. kind of the
0: the light bulb kind of uh turned on then so amazing so turn racing now how many you know what is what is the structure of the company now so you've you've grown it to to quite an extent you know what are the facilities how many employees are are how are things working these days
1: mm-hmm. yeah for sure so it's i i actually uh, i've been very intentional, um, kind of with the path that I wanted to take. I would I would gotten some good advice early on from, um, actually like a local entrepreneur. Cause I come from actually a very like manufacturing automation, uh, community. Um, and he had told me like, you know, to wait, to raise capital until you, you know, really have to, you know, bootstrap as kind of as, as far as you can and, and uh, you know, that way you, you can, you're not giving away your business before you even get it off the ground basically. And, uh, and so I, yeah, I, I bootstrapped just growing organically for, um, starting, I would say like July, 2016 was, you know, probably like the start date and and it was still like a hobby, you know, like I, I was working full time in a machine shop and, uh, just like on the floor, hired off the street as a CNC operator. And, and the reason being was because I, I had gone from actually working a night shift at a hotel so that I could spend all night actually just on my laptop working on my trading things. And then I would, um, I would actually trade all day and then I would sleep from three to nine and then wow. get up. And then I, it ended up like that, that was kind of winding down. And so I was, you know, going to pivot to like, okay, what's my next thing? And I was going to be building these, uh, building these wheels. And so I was like, okay, well, if I'm going to, you know, build these steering wheels, I should learn how to, you know, be better at uh, manufacturing. So I went and got a job at local machine shop, you know, and, and uh, kind of started working my way up there. And, and my attitude was always like, you know, when like they've got me for eight hours. So they, I, I give them, you know, my best eight hours, I, I busted ass and, mm-hmm. uh, and, like after that, uh, it, it, it cause, because because I was always very like driven. So like, I was thinking the faster I can move up, you know, the more I can learn, the more I can get to start doing like CNC setups. So then I can, you know, do my own and whatnot. <clears throat> and, uh, and so I did that for, from 2016 to 2019. Um, and then in 2019 decided to like, kind of take it full time. And so I was in, I like, I had an apartment and whatnot and, um, i really like in in my shop was at my parents because they had a like a detached shed or whatever that i could kind of operate right. out of and i was like i was spending like virtually all my time and even sleeping there you know because like between working on the steering wheels and then going to work like i was never even at the apartment so i just moved act i moved into the shop um and uh i was like you know what i can i can uh just give it a go and so yeah 2019 i i took it uh full time and, and it was still very, you know, much like one man shop until probably I would say like 20, 21 um, where I had uh, had a conversation with like a local investor. And and he kind of like, I was actually um, talking with him about just a uh, borrowing, like, you know, getting a loan from him and he, he wanted the option to turn it in, into equity, you know? So then awesome. I, I ended up uh, just kind of taking him on as a um, like an angel investor. And, you know, it wasn't a large, you know, crazy amount, but like enough to help me like get to uh, invest more into like inventory, into product development, starting to actually develop some like core systems and like build a team. In, which has been the vast majority of like the last two years now wow. um and so like you know so caught up to today i'm still the only uh full-time employee but then you know for as far as like the whole i guess company or team would be concerned there's probably about 15 people so either part-time like you know w2 employee or uh i like part-time like 1099 you know so and i think like seven or eight of those are actually in like development and engineering <laughs> you can you can see where where i put my you know money and uh, where i'm putting my efforts into it and so yeah right now we're very much like a iceberg there's a lot there's a lot going on underneath the water right now so oh,
0: for sure i know your your brain is always working and you've always got ideas cooking so, so what would you say? So we kind of understand now where Turn Racing started. What what is the philosophy, or what was your intention with with the products? You know, I mean, I've, I'm I'm a user of your products and 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 was a fan of them before we met. Um, you know, they're they're very well made and also very affordable when you compare it to you know other options in the sim racing market, which you know um, can be very expensive at times, right? To get mm-hmm. certain quality. So what's the philosophy between, between your wheels?
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I had, I'd actually started out you know, building. um, I would say like most of my kind of strategy, I would, I would, you could say I had borrowed from like um, a lot of Tesla philosophy. So, you know, when you're starting out, you're, you're doing low volume. And so you have to do high price. And then, uh, and so that's where I would, I was uh, doing like high-end replica wheel where you can sell them for, you know, thousand, $1,200 a piece. And um, I had, there's a handful of sort of factors that like, when I had realized I I needed to pivot. Um, And, you know, part of it was like, I could see like the market getting a bit saturated, but also uh, it just doesn't scale very well. And so you know with economies of scale the as you go higher in volume the price can come down um and and so like the sort of like our first step was building um the the replica high-end wheels and then i wanted to pivot then to the mid-market to build um to bring like the high-end features to like in a more affordable price because really I'd also realized that like the high end um market just like wasn't even that big. Um and and even to like give an idea, like with the R eight wheel at the time, I think like 2017, 2018, like I was the only person in the world building like a like a really good R eight wheel. It was um and uh you know I still maybe only did like thirty that year or something. And so it's not like, you know, if, it, if, if, if even it were like 300, it would be a much different, um, you know, deal, I think, but yeah, it's like, it just wasn't super big. And so I wanted to, to go a bit more downstream so that we could, um, target a, a wider audience. And, and, uh, I've always been like a, a huge, um, just like self educator. So, uh, really trying to absorb as much sort of knowledge and uh as i can from as many different viewpoints as i can too and um yeah there's a few like sort of key concepts of uh how to design things you know like there's there's a better way to design things you can you can you can actually add value and uh you can make the product better and also make it less expensive
0: right
1: um and so there's like a methodology to do that and yeah. and so yeah like I'd, I'd really taken that uh fully to heart because with uh with sim racing and i mean in motorsport in general a lot of people just end up copying each other and there isn't actually very much innovation and and so i i really um like if you, if you want to break out you can't just be like a little bit better um you need to be like a lot better Mm-hmm. And so, and and I'm certainly not even to that point yet. Like we're still like a very small company, but um, yeah, it's it's been all self-funded and sort of through organic growth versus, uh, you know, just throwing a bunch of money at the wall and seeing what sticks. And so, uh, yeah, I guess as far as like what we want to represent now is to be like the, I would say... To be the the value added brand that um really focuses on having the best sim racing experience not just being not just like adding features
0: right
1: you know so like does this actually make sim racing better and you know is is it make it more convenient more comfortable um you know and and whatnot And, and so i'm i'm i'll be the first to say like i'm not i'm not the best in the world at it but i'm that's what i'm aspiring to at least so
0: no it makes a lot of sense right i think with you know that kind of leads me into my next question is kind of you know the state of the industry right we've i think in the we've we've seen huge growth in the sim racing industry i think the pandemic you know a lot more people being at home and spending their money on different things i think i personally noticed a lot more people getting into sim racing or being talked about more um Mm -hmm. you know that being said i think you're right like is it do you think it's becoming oversaturated that just a lot of you know copycat not copycats let's say or or similar products without adding value like you said like looking at a product and going does this make sim racing better more comfortable more fun more immersive right Mm -hmm. so how do you feel like the industry is kind of going right now what do you what do you kind of think for the future over the next year or two do you do you think it's going to grow so
1: it's definitely like matured a lot and so and there's there's been a lot of sort of action from like the market sort of demand side and then also from like the the supply side and so obviously 2020 was like really uh like COVID was just a a boom for sim racing um naturally and uh the the demand kind of far outreached the supply um and and so when other, you know, sort of entrepreneurs or, or companies sort of see that it ends up looking very attractive and appealing. Right. <clears throat> and, um, and so, you know, b- before then it was still sort of more smaller kind of, uh, communities almost have felt, um, they, like it just, I would say that maybe the community as a whole was a bit like, yeah. there's a handful of, uh, like small time operators that could make it um you could say Mm -hmm. and and now that um it's maturing which is what happens with all technology you know like at the as more competition comes in um it gets more and more commoditized and so i mean where we're at now we're definitely coming off of those um like COVID highs and actually i would say even in the last one to two months probably like new maybe like three year low, maybe four year low for like overall demand, I would say. And so, um, yeah, that's that's something to like definitely, I mean, it's like a kind of like a brace for impact type moment. Like you need to, th- that's when you have to have, uh, I would say that's when I'm grateful that I chose the path that I did because I'm not so far overextended that if we hit you know, say a four-year low in in demand. I'm not screwed because I I bootstrapped. I I intentionally kept overhead as low as possible for as long as I possibly could, and still do. You know, um, even now. So I, I um got married. I think it it was uh 2021, and then mm-hmm. um so now I have a like a fifteen hundred square foot shop. Um, you know, like detached shop, and so yeah, I I operate everything out of there still. Um, that's cool so yeah uh, expenses are are very very low um and so like i'm able to weather that but yeah we'll see we'll see who can and who can't i I imagine there's going to be some that can't so
0: yeah Uh, and i think uh, yeah i think sim racers and you know consumers in general um i know myself we're, we're more informed these days we do our research you know i i learned everything from sim racing from youtube and it's it's part of what inspired me to kind of start my own channel just to sort of take some of my own experiences and and uh bring those to the community so i think you know people are are looking for quality now right over quantity i think still yeah for sure
1: well and, and that's that's where our market is it's it's uh young professionals um yeah you know the vast majority so uh and everyone does the research even myself included before i buy anything like i'll I'll know everything about the product really before I before I buy it most of the time, you know.
0: Yeah. What's your advice? You know, that kind of good segue into, you know, what's your advice for somebody that wants to get into sim racing, um maybe enjoys racing games like grant Turismo with the controller, and you know wants to make that next step. You know, what would you tell that that person or, or your friend if they came to you? I get this question asked a ton on my channel all the time. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, first off, like. Hardware doesn't make you go faster. I'll be the first yes. to tell you that <laughs> okay so like and <clears throat> actually in some ways it can almost um actually be a, a hindrance because if you if you have like a direct drive wheelbase and you have your force feedback you know just cranked up, it actually uh having to fight against that versus like a very low um like force like logitech. It, like you can actually be much more precise with that um so a pedal makes a big difference like that's for sure like i guarantee but yeah like you don't have to spend thousands and thousands of dollars to even get to to be competitive um that's like number 1 but yeah and then the other is uh try to try to spend the time on learning the fundamentals you know vehicle dynamics um like mentioning but but also like how to how to set up a car uh that's a big part of it you don't have to be an engineer um that was kind of like the the path that i did like sort of take when i when i had plateaued um and you know i'm not an expert driver so like you'll have to in order to get you know to the level that above the level that i was at you know don't don't ask advice for me but <laughs> um i thought that like i thought that it was just all in the setup you know so like i I went into uh learning motec and like creating all these different maths and channels and doing all this analysis to like do like create these like perfect setups yeah you know so like uh and that can get you so far but um yeah i think just like the big concepts like you know how do the uh you have to race enough to have a feel for the car like like when you're oversteering, like if your car is oversteering or if it's understeering, like in the setup and uh, you kind of learn that like, okay, the really fast drivers, they want a loose car. And and so like, if you're, if you're always very oversteering the corners, like, um, like that, that's what the fastest guys want because that's, you know, they can be that much closer to the limit of adhesion um and so and in the professionals like the the difference between like sort of the amateurs and the, and the professionals is like they can they can just ride that line at the limit of adhesion much better mm-hmm. um and so they don't need a lot of the extra assistance that will slow you down in that way so yeah that type of stuff um is is really important but also uh racecraft you know don't be don't be a jerk it's not that big of a community actually i mean um like people do remember who you are, <laughs> you know. It's yeah. like so, like be, uh, like, do good for the community, right? Like it's
0: it, 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 and it is a community. So, I think we've all had those those iRacing races where you you spend time practicing qualifying and then get taken out on the first corner. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. So, and then, and then you know, in the heat of the moment, raging about it, and then yeah, yeah. afterwards, feeling bad, and and so, yeah, keeping it professional um which
0: you've fun too right yeah yeah that's what's yeah i think people forget that sometimes that um you know like sim racing it's a little bit different than other gaming right because you don't have like a reset button like if you're playing call of duty and you you die you jump back in the game right with with you know you can pretty much ruin someone's entire race and maybe their evening so Mm -hmm. i always take that into consideration i'd I'd rather i'd Throw myself into a wall or go off track then then hit somebody right and that's what you're usually told to do in real racing as far as i know so yeah no that's really good advice um zach that i think that that would help a lot of new sim racers out there think about some of these things for sure so i want to ask you about um we're going to get into products and, and i want to talk a little bit about what's next but what do you think about vr for sim racing you and i kind of talked about this a little bit before you know, it's. I think now it's starting to become a lot more um, widespread. I think the PSVR with Gran Turismo. Uh, I see a. It's just a lot of talk and a lot of hype about that right now, and I think it's actually drawing in a lot of people into the into the hobby um, because they, you know, had a chance to try it out with a controller, you know, and then they go, oh, this would be amazing with a wheel mm. and pedals. So where do you, where do you think VR is going or where would you like to see it go?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's for sure the future. I, I, and I've just personally been waiting, um, because the technology hasn't been able to catch up, um, to the point to where it needs to be, to, to become sort of like the def, defuncto, you know, standard. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's for sure. Uh, it, it'll take over. Um, and I've been, I've like, I've, I've like I remember I tried like the first, um, you know, Oculus and I've gone through a few different VR headsets that I ultimately all ended up actually just returning. Cause, um, for me, like the, the graphics fidelity, I, I really like having the graphics be like as high as I can possibly get it. And so, um, you know, and that's only been possible even to, to like, uh, playing VR at max settings in like the last year like if you have a 4090 you could maybe you know go into iRacing racing and max everything out but like that's you know like that's still too expensive for the vast, like vast majority of people like um so uh and then also i think uh with the displays too um there's just a lot of uh technology that's coming down the pipe but uh in overcoming uh some of like the technical hurdles like different things like screen door effect, um you know uh, motion sickness um and of course just like uh, pixel density you know whatnot and, and then there's a lot of uh new interesting like standards that are uh coming out that um like with wi-fi being able to like have them be wireless i think will okay. be um nice too because that yeah, that cable is always kind of like a, a bit of an like an immersion killer, a little bit. Yeah, especially um, for
0: racing, for sure.
1: Mm-hmm. But yeah, stuff like that. I think I think it's definitely on the horizon, though. I mean, in the next five years, I would say like it'll take definitely more of a like it, it'll continue uh, it, the the percentage of screen you know to VR will continue to sort of flip, and then yeah, like end of the decade, I'm sure it'll be pretty much the standard i think
0: yeah i, I think i agree uh, i think people are are constantly chasing immersion and, and that really puts you it's, in the seat of yeah. the car right yeah. so because that's what um, it is
1: the immersion is like unbeatable i mean it's just no triple screen
0: setup no yeah there's there's nothing yeah it doesn't that. matter if you've got 65 inch uh triples yeah. it's it's not gonna be the same right so yeah, yeah I, I think i i definitely agree with you on that so let's talk about Turn racing products. So you've got wheel rims, button plate, a couple different accessories that you recently came out with for the wheels that I think are really cool. I've got one of the the cover plates on my wheel back there that I slapped my own logo on, and you also have a lot of different decals and custom. You know, I, I, turn racing. It seems is a lot about customization and per- personalizing your wheel, which I love because I think that I love the creativity and seeing that in the sim racing industry. Mm-hmm. But what's next? So we've got the the TDU five. Can you tell us a little bit about um, some updates on that and, and where, where things are going?
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's been a huge uh, undertaking and, and admittedly actually going into it, I was probably in over my head because um, I didn't realize like how much uh, like development work that actually needs to be done to to get to the point where I wanted it to be because I had done a Uh, like a a first sort of TDU version. And it was really just using like a USB-D 480 and then, you know, making a custom breakout board and, um, you know, then putting that into enclosure and and chipping it like everybody else. And I I didn't want that. Also, like, um, I I wanted to start like creating an ecosystem, um, you know, towards eventually being able to build the entire simulator and so the yeah the TDU 5 was going to be the first uh crack at that um and doing it from scratch so then that way it's it's our own like ip our own ecosystem um and then we can also design it how we want so then i can sort of just assemble it in as few parts as quick you know as possible to put them together as, as quickly as possible so that it can scale but also be able to give you know better features at a at a lower price, which is what we're for sure gonna be able to do. Um and yeah, the project actually started I would say I mean it really was like uh 2020 with the TDU that was immediately I was thinking like I, I had actually purposely done a very small batch of the TDUs and then I immediately discontinued it because my plan I was like okay I'm I'm actually just going to um go straight into the tdu5 which will be a much more mass producible mass marketable product and i you know thought that i could do it uh quickly and and it's, so now it's yeah close to mid 2023 and we're we have a working prototype at, you know so mm-hmm. like that that's good like it, it's actually very very close to uh production and uh we'll be shipping them in july but uh yeah there's there's just I, I've actually, it, it's been a huge learning experience for myself because everything that I've gone through, you know, up to this point has been self-taught. Like I don't have even necessarily a, a like a mentor, um, you know, I don't have someone that is sort of a, even like a someone that would say, uh, I could ask business advice too. Like it's, it's all <laughs> like YouTube and, and the, <laughs> nowadays chat gpt and stuff but um yeah so i actually like i'd I'd realized that i need to like actually learn how to do project management you know i need to learn how to be organized and, and create systems and uh you know i think like the first time i ever did like a product requirements document was like for the tdu5 and stuff and and yeah you learn that there's a lot more documentation that the But then you realize um because you need to plan the stuff out um yeah you know hardware in in particular is it's a good name for it because it's it's quite hard because it's like you you can't just build something and then go like the full agile approach and then just keep you know iterating on it like in order to get uh um you can to a degree I, i would say like for 3d printing you can prototype and do rapid prototyping for sure. You yeah. can get that to you know, a point where you can start doing like injection molding and stuff. But, uh, but yeah, so that, that was, uh, a, a big learning experience. Um, and then also it's been on the, uh, embedded side, you know, like it, even when I had started like learning, like I, I, I had no clue how electronics worked. It was still like all magic, you know, <laughs> Um, and I never, and I thought I would never even understand it. And and so now I'm not necessarily even an expert in anything, but I have to have a base level knowledge of everything in, in order to be able to, to facilitate it all. And so, uh, yeah, like learning, um, the embedded side, like, uh, firmware, uh, you know, chip selection, um, you know, USB protocols, uh, you know, how do we, how do we handle that in, uh all that stuff was, is also a big, been a big, uh, learning experience. And then, um, just like typical, uh, like debugging, you know, problems and stuff. And, and then even like down to like how, like we need to have a standard for how we, um, review and and order circuit boards and, and all that. So it's like, it's, uh, it's been really, uh, like frustrating because I mean, I'm typically, I'm happy to actually be pretty transparent um about stuff and so like for this project in particular like just this one product i've i have invested like a hundred thousand like plus uh like it's it's approaching that if not already past that and so um which is like by far my biggest like uh investment into a single product wow and and uh and so yeah as, as a small company to be um putting that much in is for sure a lot, but, um, yeah, it's, I think it, it's been a lot of really big learning lessons and, and also it's sort of the, the base of a greater architecture because now, even though it's maybe six months late than when I wanted to launch it, I've learned like
0: so much, like years, oh, yeah. you know, it feels like just imagine experience this, almost. This framework now that you have right in, in designing building out this product this process you can take that now to the next idea right and Mm -hmm. you've already now got that that framework that project management that that seems like the investment is huge right and the benefits from that alone Mm -hmm. um so yeah no i'm i'm really excited about the dash i mean sim racing dashes uh i think are a really popular accessory like for me it's like kind of become a must-have um Mm -hmm. i didn't think it would be but it's something i enjoy having i think it adds a lot of immersion i think it, it gives you flexibility with your your in-game camera to kind of set that up the way you want and still have the external dash yeah. um but i see yeah there's all different price points right now and and you know there's people doing diys as well but you know some people like myself included i i just want to you know purchase something that's that's well made and, and plug it in it's going to work right mm-hmm. so yeah i'm yeah. no, really excited to see that and i'm sure a lot of people who are uh, a fan of your products are excited to get their hands on it for sure. Yeah. So ultimately the like the direction we're headed is is to have
1: everything be as simple and plug and play as possible. For sure. So like that's uh that's the goals. And then also being able to deliver that at a you know lower price point with just as good of quality or, or better um for sure. And uh and, and yeah, that's definitely kind of the way we're headed for all of our future stuff too. And, and we're building the software too. Cause that's one thing I wanted to point out too, is like, that's what's uh, really cool about kind of the system and architecture that we're building now is um, I've kind of secretly been building this software that will run it all. Um, I've actually, for, I mean, it's been a year and a half. I've actually been uh, since I started that and yeah, I give and So it's like, it's, fun to start kind of talking about this like even more publicly and, and stuff so I've, secrets I've out that. now zach <laughs> yeah like you know wait, i mean it, and it's not like a yeah you know big secret or whatever but uh yeah it's it's, it's cool because then we can do whatever we want you know we can take whatever telemetry we want whatever you know dashboards we want to create right. um and uh and and push that to the screen and, and not in a way that's just like the replica but like in a way that actually makes sim racing
0: better that's really cool. So better. this works and work outside of SimHub, which is how most of these dash displays operate, right? Yeah. And and so
1: there's there's gonna be kind of a a planned uh rollout. So like launch day with the TDU5 is gonna be with SimHub and Z1. You know, because that's like the standard right now. Like like SimHub's for sure yeah the the best um for dashboards, but also like even on like the customer side, um if you're newer, that can be like overwhelming to figure out like just getting all your stuff set up, you know, and then even just getting like the game set up. And then then you have to also do SimHub plus you have to download these dashboards. And it's like it it can quickly be a very uh apparent like barrier to entry for people. Yeah. And so um that's why that's what like the solution then is going to be our turn racing paddock software, which will be as like basically as simple as you can possibly get it but but also have like the expert features if you want it but base level is like click to install plug it in
0: turn on the sim you know that's awesome yeah i think i sometimes us are more experienced sim racers we kind of forget that even though we're all really familiar with sim hub and z1 and and it's kind of a become a household name in the sim sim racing world like for somebody new like that they may not even have any clue how to do that and just you know want to plug it in and get racing right so mm-hmm. but uh yeah i really like the the concept of that so that's really cool so what's next for turn racing i you know i know you're not i'm not asking you to divulge future plans mm-hmm. or future products but you know where do you go from here is it new pro you know new products software what what can you share with us
1: yeah yeah for sure no it's There's a a lot of really exciting stuff that um, I'm still kind of waiting to like push out. But Mm -hmm. um, the main thing is like we want to we want to be one of the major players, you know, and and do it right, though. And so uh, and also not um, offshore all the manufacturing. I want to actually build the factory. And so um, that's kind of like the vision that I have um, to have the factory be built like in my hometown um and you know it's not i'm not saying like it's going to be the you know biggest manufacturer in the world or whatever but like uh, yeah. like a, like a proper like do um, it at home yeah. yeah manufacturing facility um and uh have it be like a industry 4.0 forward looking you know digital factory um versus uh just offshoring it and um that's definitely like strategically the the direction that we're headed um and then for uh, the product side, um, we're gonna be rolling out kind of one product at a time to eventually have a whole rig. So wow, that's the, yeah, that's where we'll, where we'll end up. Very you know, cause, cool. cause for me, like I actually, I didn't, um, I joined the industry as a enthusiast, you know, um, not as a business case. You know, so like if if you're just looking for a business case, I would highly recommend uh, much more lucrative industries. I'll just say (laughs) that, you know, and and that's why it's uh, six years later of 80-hour work weeks, and I still pay myself like minimum wage, basically. Um, But um, so, yeah, it's not necessarily even about um, that stuff. It's about uh, building community and and i just love being able to make things it's actually like my kind of creative outlet in a way yeah um which is like the the most sort of a fulfilling thing for me is where i can um be able to just make stuff and because like my the way that i like to think and learn things is like i like i'll go super deep on something for like a couple months learn everything as as i can about it and then like find something else you know and (laughs) and move on so uh this uh this job now actually is a perfect job for me because every day i have to be like focused on like learning new stuff but also um being able to create new stuff so like even even last night i was up until 2:30 a.m. looking at uh ISA 95 uh specifications for like um industrial uh namespaces like how to um like categorize
0: a, a company basically oh wow okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> going deep <laughs> yeah oh that's awesome zach i mean it, it sounds like that you know it's it's a lot of work what you're doing and i have a lot of respect for you um in building a business um it, it's an extremely difficult thing to do but it, it sounds like at the same time it's it's still a passion project for you and it's still something you enjoy so i think that's a wonderful thing for sure. So Zach, I thank you again for, for your time and chatting with us, um, with my viewers as well. I know that they're going to enjoy this conversation and I'm looking forward to seeing what's next from, from turn racing. So thank you very much. And, uh, I'm sure we'll chat soon. Yep. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. All right.
1: Thanks Zach.